is the first chapter, Be reading especially the 26th verse, we would like to say we appreciate you that are out tonight, all the home folk, also Sister Mary Lee's mom, dad, and cousin, we appreciate you being in her services and joining in with us. Sister Della Bayer's father, we appreciate him being here. And well, just everybody, it's good to worship the Lord together, isn't it? Praise the Lord. 26th verse, Genesis, the first chapter, says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them, and God blessed them, and said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. Every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life I have given every green herb for meat and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day Father we appreciate you tonight you're loving you're faithful you're kind, you're always there. Father, we searched for your will tonight. We searched for your words. We need to know what the Spirit wants to say to this people. So we pray, Father, that you would guide us, that you would direct us. You'd move every thought from our own mind, which is carnal our own. You'd replace it with thoughts of yours. We might be able to speak the truth in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 26th verse, And God said, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God has been very busy for the last several days, so to speak. He's going about formulating something that would give him pleasure. He caused light to come on the first day, divided the second day, the vapors of the waters from above and below. He's preparing something. Third day, the land and sea and plant life begin to appear. Fourth day, sun and moon. Stars become visible, and on the fifth day, animal life, creative act, second creative act of God, 
And then the sixth day, he comes to the grand finale of what he wants to do. God creates man. I want to talk tonight just for a little while, I pray, on the loneliness of God. Have you ever considered God's feelings? Have you ever really thought that we were made in the image and likeness of God? We have some of his attributes. We have some of his emotions, some of his feelings, because he made us that way. He didn't make us just to look like him, but he made us to feel like him. He made us to feel love. He made us to feel compassion. He made us to feel sorrow. He made us to feel happiness. He made us to be elated. And He made us to be able to look out over a sin-cursed world as He did and cry for it. So in other words, the question is tonight, why wouldn't God be lonely? All the things that He created every beast of every kind, every creeping thing, and yet in spite of it all, there was nothing created in the image of God. God is lonely because He didn't have anyone to share fellowship with. That thought as He thought. That felt as He felt. That had the same desires that He had. It's just like us. God made us where we can't find complete fulfillment in animals. And in pets, there's something missing in our life. If we can't have and share communion with our own kind. God saw that there was a fallacy when he just made Adam. Found out that Adam couldn't have complete fellowship and complete communion. Couldn't be fulfilled until, until he made him a helpmeet and he made him Eve. Being made in the likeness and the image of God, we can assume that if there is times that we feel loneliness, there's times that God feels loneliness. God is love. That's an old Sunday school scripture, isn't it? God is love. And we got to realize that love demands two things for complete fulfillment. Love demands someone to love, and God formed that. And love demands someone to return that love, and God cries for that. Amen. God cries for someone to return the love, the love that he has for humanity, the love that finally caused himself to veil himself in human flesh, Come down, take upon himself the form of sinful man, walk the lonely road, and finally come to the time where he would have to die. God was feeling then. He was feeling loneliness. We always look at man on how does man feel. We always look at ourselves in times of destitution, times when uh, we're lonely, times when we're despairing, and we know how it feels. 
I'd like for us to take a little bit of time, as clear as I can make it tonight. I'd like for us to consider God. There was one time right after God created Adam and Eve, after his own image, that his love was completely fulfilled. He had someone just like him that he could love. And he had someone that returned that love. Bible tells us that he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, sharing his love, sharing his innermost desires and his secrets. Also tells us that there was a time, we don't know how long, also tells us there was a time when Adam and Eve responded and returned that love with sweet communion with the Master. God was fulfilled. God was feeling loved and God was giving love. And then we can hear if we tune our ears to the Scripture. There's a lot of things we miss in there because we don't tune our ear to that. But if we can go back some centuries ago, tune our ears to the Scripture, put our ear to the ground, we're going to hear once joyful God who walked with gladness in the cool of the day with that which He created. They was feeling His loving presence. He was feeling and hearing from their lips what He wanted to hear. Love. Responding to love. How long this went on, we're not told. Seemed like a short time, but it could have been longer than we imagined, seeing that we was in God's time. But then if you put your ear to the ground, you're going to hear a desperation and a cry of loneliness in the voice of our Master, of our God. After the fall and communion, after Satan came, after the honor that God should have gotten was transferred to the powers of the enemy, Satan, after the love that God should have had all the time was turned to this arch enemy of God, and God had no other choice because he had said the day that you eat, now on you're going to surely die. In other words, Communion between you and I is going to be broken. How God hated for that to happen. How the heart of God, can you feel his heart beat? You ought to be able to feel it because he feels just like we do. Has compassion, has loneliness. Times when he would just give anything. I hear from the voice of those that he so loves so much. Here he is in desperation and in loneliness. After the fall and communion had been broken, this God of ours that we consider so high and so great, and he has no feelings like ours, comes again walking in the cool of the day. He knows something's wrong. You don't hide anything from him. And he's walking in the cool of the day with a question. I used to overlook what might have been in that voice, but I don't anymore. I think with his pent-up emotion, his disappointment, his loneliness, 
He is still seeking those that he loves so much. Put your ear to the ground a little bit tonight. Hear this God of the universe seeking plain humanity. And he simply says, Adam, where art thou? I wish some way you could catch the note of earnestness in his voice tonight. Because we're going to go someplace with that. He's not there to condemn Adam. He's not there to sentence him because the sentence had already been said and already been set. Condemnation had already set in. But he was there seeking Adam. And there was a note of disappointment in his voice. More than anything else, there was a note of loneliness in his voice. As this God who gave everything, this God who loves, there's hardly any way to explain how he loves, at one time felt the response to his love. And now communion is broken. And man cannot give the type of love that God desires because he don't know how. The spirit of man has fallen. He don't know how to honor God like he needs to honor Him. He's now fallen humanity. And yet God, as far back as Genesis, is still seeking His creation. And friend, that voice sounds down through the corners of time, down to the halls of eternity should light upon our ear. Because he's still crying at Adam, Where art thou? Adam, that which I have created to give me honor, that which I have created to give me glory, that which I have created for my glory and for my pleasure, Adam, where is the voice of love anymore? Where is the voice that cries out, Where is the communion where we could talk together in the cool of the day and walk together in the cool of the day? Adam, where are you? And of course, you know the story. Adam had hid himself. God knew where he was at, but he was waiting for a response. Waiting for a response from Adam. He's still waiting for a response from Adam tonight. He's still seeking humanity lost and undone out here. Some have already had communion with God. Some have never had it. And God is lonely. I said, God is lonely. God is lonely for a voice that will respond to Him, that will love Him. The only way we can get that voice is through the power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of man cannot provide God the love that He wants. It takes His own Spirit which can reciprocate and give Him the love that He desperately needs. So you can hear that. And then you can follow the Bible. Good time sometimes to sit down and follow God through the Bible. Not just read it because it's there. But get something and follow God through the Bible. You find in an ever-ending weaving thread where he hooks Genesis right through it all and hooks it right on to Revelations. His divine plan has always been to salvage rich humanity. It's always been that some way in this great grand finale that we're going to see God is waiting for restoration of mankind living where he needs to live, where God can love him, and he can respond with that same type of love. You can hear his heart sing again as he finds through Seth a godly seed. 
a godly land until finally the nation of Israel becomes his kingdom. I want you to listen to him now as he's found somebody. He's found a thread. He's found a link. He can't deal with the masses of humanity. He's tried that. It doesn't work, but in his desperation, he's got to find some way, somehow, to get to the heart of man, not only for man's sake, but for his sake. Have you ever considered the fact that God needs you? And he needs to hear you say you love him from the very depths of your heart. And he's lonely sometimes just to hear you say, God, I really do love you. I really do love you, Jesus. To take some time and whisper that to him. But you find him separating this. And you want to listen to him sometimes as he makes love to his chosen Walk into the songs of Solomon. You want a love story? You don't have to buy True Story magazine. You don't have to do that. You want a love story? You just read to the songs of Solomon. And hear him as he expresses his love. My love. My dove. My fair one. And then you hear the response of his spouse. You hear the response of somebody that responds in the same manner. And in the same way, in other words, God has found again fulfillment through His people. He's found individuals that can love Him and honor Him from the depths of His heart. And God is fulfilled again. There's no loneliness in His heart. There's no cry out inside there as He's touching. He's making love to His church, so to speak, or His kingdom. And they are reciprocating to God. And God is making love to them, and they are making love to Him. And then you can hear His exasperation. If you just go on down for a little while longer through the Bible, and you'll hear the exasperation again of God. You'll hear the loneliness of His voice once again. As Micah the prophet writes, some words that's thrilling in some way, and yet they're heart-rendering in another way. Micah 6.3 says, and this is God. This is God expressing himself through the prophet Micah. And this is what God is saying, O my people, what have I done unto thee? I want you to stop long enough to imagine a God that we feel has need of nothing or has need of no one is standing crying through the lips of humanity and crying to his people that one time he had fellowship. One time he had complete communion. They were his kingdom people. They responded to him and he responded to them. And then he's crying, my people, what have I done unto thee? Wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. I stood and looked at that for a moment and I thought, God, what love. In other words, what has separated us? What has happened to us? We were once so happy and we were once so joyful and we once walked in a sense in the cool of the day and I proposed to establish a kingdom with you. And now I feel a desolation. I don't hear your praise anymore. 
I don't hear your honor anymore. I, I seem to have wearied you somewhere, my people. Tell me where I have wearied you. I seem to have done something wrong to you. And this is mighty God. This is great God. And yet He condescends. And He comes down. And He puts Himself on trial. And sits there and says, Condemn me. Condemn me. Tell me where I have gone wrong with you. Tell me where I have wearied you. Testify against me. I think he still has himself on trial. I think if he was here tonight, and he is in spirit, but I think if he would take a form and stand here before us as his Holy Ghost filled saints and his church, he would look at us and say, My people, what have I done to you? What wrong have I committed in so much that I seem to have wearied you with my laws? And with my demands. And I did it all just for you. I knew what you would do. I loved you so much that I put them down there. And you seem to be wearied with my laws. You seem to be wearied with what I feed you. You seem to be wearied with the water that I give you to drink. And then he says, testify against me. Stand up, people, and tell God where he has wronged you. Stand up, people, and tell Him that it's His fault that there's no communion. Tell God it's His fault that He is lonely again. Tell God He's the reason why that there's no love between you again. That's what He's saying. Come on, truthfully testify against me. And He's still saying that here tonight. You testify against me. You stand up and tell me where I have wearied you. You stand up and accuse me. Because I'm lonely for you. I'm lonely for you. And sometimes it staggers an imagination that God Himself would condescend so low and love so much that He would simply take a seat someplace, set Himself out for scrutiny, and set Himself before His called out people and looked them and said, Now then, let's get this thing aired out. Let's get the reason why we can't have communion anymore. Let's get the reason why you're lonely and I'm lonely. Let's get it out in the open. If I'm to fault, then you testify against me. If I have wearied you, you tell me where I have wearied you. If I have treated you unjustly, you tell me where I've treated you unjustly. But if God then cannot be testified against, and the fault must lie somewhere other than God. In other words, at that time, God was still loving. His heart was still full. He still loved that which had left Him, followed after other things. God said He was a jealous God. He told Israel time and time again, you went whoring after everything and everybody else. And yet He set Himself up and said, I would be glad to accept you back. But your sins have separated you from me. I can't take you like you are. And as lonely as I am, as much as I would like to talk to you, as much as I miss you, I can't let you come in my presence. I can't commune with you except you allow me to wash you and cleanse you and you return. He said, return my people, return unto me. 
a voice that's cried out through the generations of time still cries out tonight. Where art thou, Adam? Oh, my people, what have I done to you? I want you to consider how much God was missing His kingdom people. How much He was missing them. Let's go over it again. What did I do? What was wrong or what was there anything wrong? You've been weary with me. For what reason? And then He says, tell me about it. Tell me about it. And of course, people cannot approach a loving, kind God and testify against Him. Why, humanity knows that they are to blame. If anyone is to blame, humanity knows that they are to blame. And so God's kingdom people, what He proposed, what He desired to have, He finds Himself again walking in loneliness. That which He had created for His pleasure was not giving Him pleasure any longer. Ah, they came to Him sometimes. They cried out in mock love and mock fashion. They came running to Him when they was in trouble. But communion had been broken. Although God still loved them, He could never hear from their lips that love returned. What did He hear from Israel after they left Him? I heard their voices a lot of times. His ear is always inclined to His people. But what did He hear from Israel? Read the psalmist David. Read some of the others and you'll hear them crying out to God to help them, to save them, to keep them from the destroyer. And all the time, all God wanted to hear was a confession of sin in their life and a confession of love for Him as His arms was outstretched. And He said, I love you, Israel. I love you, my separated people. And He stood there with His ear tuned into them just to hear them say, God, we love you the same way you love us. And His love would have been fulfilled. There would have been no loneliness. But there came a time after the awful struggle, Jesus came, Loneliness of God was so much that he decided there was just one way to get the job done. He missed the praise, the honor of his people so much because they were separated from him. The Bible tells us that he left his people to the dispersion. Tells us for 400 years he never said a word to them. I want you to some way tonight place yourself in a position with somebody you love desperately. You've given everything. And you can't say anything to I want you to imagine the type of feeling that was in God. When some way inside he seemed to think at times, I've got to talk to. I've got to send a prophet. I've got to say something to them. And yet for 400 years, his voice was silent. He didn't commune with them. And they didn't commune with him. Not only was there 400 years of loneliness in the hearts of humanity, but there was 400 years of loneliness in the heart of God. And then finally he said the problem has to be solved. He was saying in essence, I can't live this way. 
God's love, he has to exist in love. And he was saying, I can't exist in this way. I've got to find a way to get my creation, my pleasure, back where I can talk to them and where they can respond to me. So the Bible says, he looked all over for a man. But he couldn't find one. And then he said his own arm brought him salvation. And so by his own power he came. Babe born in Bethlehem's manger. That great, mighty, powerful God who filled the whole universe finally condescended and came into the heart of a human and there he veiled himself in human flesh and walked and talked among men and rejoiced with men. Hallelujah. Was able to touch them. Something he had never done before. He was able to touch them. He was able to heal them. He was able to preach to them. He was able to deliver them. He was God veiled in flesh walking among humanity. Satisfying a longing heart. And yet something was missing. Something was missing. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And he said, as many as received him, gave him power to become the sons of God. And he came to the church of that hour. And they didn't know he was there. He came where space should have come from. They didn't even recognize him. And you know where he got his honor? You know where he got his praise? You know where he got his loneliness taken care of? Let me tell you where he got it. He got it of that little prostitute woman that came and they encircled her. And they, they was ready to stone her. And Jesus come and began to question them. And finally he said, You that was out sin, let him cast the first stone. Sat down and wrote on the ground. And one by one, I'm really interested. I wonder what he wrote. He probably said, Do you remember such and such a time when you probably did worse than this? Maybe he wrote down the dates and the time that they did it. And one by one, these hypocritical church members of that day left. There was that little woman. Sure, she had done wrong. She had been caught, the Bible says, in the very act of adultery. She was wrong. But Jesus saw something in that destitute heart that the church was blind to. He saw a life in there. He saw a soul. He saw somebody that would respond to His love. And he looked out and said, Woman, where is thou accusers? And the woman said, Master, I have none. And he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin the war. And he got a response from that lady. I love way down deep inside as she looked in those compassionate eyes. And he got something from that lady where another place, blind Bartimaeus, we've said this before, lonely, disturbed, I didn't know anything. And Jesus coming by. Even his own disciples told him to shut up. But Jesus, he wanted a response from somebody. 
Amen. He wanted a response from somebody. Let me tell you something tonight, church. If he don't get a response from you, he'll get it from someplace, somewhere. If we are wearied so much with Him, I'm going to tell you, there's individuals out there that is not wearied with Him, that's never heard about Him, that would rejoice in His presence. And God's lonely enough that He wants to hear. Blind Bartimaeus, give Him honor. Give Him praise. Maniac at Gadara, my God, plumb out of His mind. No rationale whatsoever. All the good town folk uh, isolated him, put him in the graveyard, cut himself and cried, demon possessed. Demon possessed. But Jesus came. I said, but Jesus came. When that, blood, when that demoniac came out of those tombs where he had cut himself, didn't have any clothes on. Literally lost all of his senses. And he came out of that tomb and everybody else would have run. And Jesus looked in that tormented face. And he said, this is my creation. I have loved him. I still love him. And I need a response from somebody. I'll get it from him. And he did get it from him. That man didn't even want to go away from him. He wanted to go with him. He found somebody had loved him and responded to him and he was fulfilled in the presence of that man. That man must have looked in those eyes of Jesus. Saw something he never saw in the eyes of anybody else. Hallelujah. You know what I think he saw? I think he saw inside their love. I think he saw compassion. I think he saw understanding. You know something else I think he saw? I think that that demoniac looked in the eyes of Jesus and he saw some sad, lonely eyes from being neglected, mistreated, and abused. And he saw something in there that God's own people could not see. Woman with the issue of blood on and on, you could go of individuals where he touched. Finally, after he dwelt among them, lived among them, taught, healed their sick and raised their dead, spoke good things to them, never in one time compromised, came time where he was not just going to touch a few people. But his whole race loomed before his eyes. All humanity was in the eyes of Jesus that day as he walked into the Garden of Gethsemane. Left his three most trusted disciples. Said, you stay here and watch. I'm going to go yonder and pray. Something had to die in that God-man. His will had to be placed under subjection. He knew the great responsibility. He came back. And they were asleep. The question, can't you just watch with me an hour? And finally the hour had come. The Bible tells us that angels came and strengthened him. I've always wondered, friend, I've always wondered what would have happened 
If those trusted and close to him would have stayed with him, he wouldn't have needed any angels. But there he was one more time, faced in a life and death situation, poured out his love all he had upon those, no response except sleep. Finally, there came a time when he came back and said, Sleep on now, for my hour's come. I've got it all worked out. They met him. Heaped indignity after indignity upon him. Crucified him. Put him in the earth. But he didn't stay. He rose again the third day. <laughs> Hallelujah. He was working out something. I said he was working out something. It took him just a little bit with these great hands and some clay to form mankind right at first and breathe the breath of life into him but to redeem mankind. It took scars and nail prints in his hand and in his feet and a spear in his side, five gaping wounds. It took him to redeem mankind and get him in his presence again. Willingly, he submitted. He's dead now. That flesh can't kill God. I'll say it again, you can't kill God. God never died. Only that veil that He lived in, that's all that died. God has He been eternal. He was eternal from the beginning. He's still eternal. There's never been a time when He has ceased to be. Not even three days or three nights. The Bible says that flesh gave up the ghost or gave up the spirits. And that which indwelt Him. Hallelujah. That which indwelt him waited three days and three nights at the very exact time he was supposed to that great omnipresent spirit of God which never died walked in and took up that flesh and walked out victorious over death, hell, and the grave. And he said, I've got mankind where I can talk to him one more time. I'm not lonely anymore. And then his love was fulfilled, described in John, the birth of the church. 120 out of the multitudes that followed him. 120 actually believed him. Actually fully believed him. Made their way to the upper room. Our friend, it's as old as the hills, but it's as new as yesterday and as new as today made their way to the upper room. Jesus said, before you do anything, before you go any place, you've got to go there and tell and wait until you be endued with power from on high. You have to have that. In other words, he was saying you need that to witness. And he was also saying you need it inside of you so I can commune and talk with you and find pleasure in who you are and in what you're doing. And I might hear love spoken through and by the Spirit. Not words that lips can speak alone. A heart of fleshly man can speak. He says it often. Love is just a word to humanity. Divorces by the hundreds will prove that to you. Don't know what actually love really is. My wife and I, I think, was in love in a sense. But I don't think we really knew what love was until God came into our life. 
and filled us with his Holy Spirit and power and set our feet where they needed to be. And then we really found what love is. And love is lasting thing. God's love is lasting. It's not fickle. It doesn't burn out. It doesn't dry out. It doesn't fade away. It's put in there. It'll stay there, friend. Regardless of what we are, God remains faithful. And then, you can hear, if you listen, the exhilaration of God. How pleased He is. There's not very many people there. Out of all those He talked to, but he's real pleased. 120. And he sends them what he said he would. And he restores a language that he can understand. Hallelujah in their heart. He gives them a language that surpasses any language in this world, regardless of what it is. I don't know how many dialects and languages there is in this world. But this God gave that day was a language where mankind could commune with Him anytime, place, anywhere we can commune with Him. And friend, what a precious thing it is to get alone someplace and make love to God in a heavenly language. You have communion there that you never knew you had. That's what the Holy Ghost is for. Speak to Him, friend. Use that language. He understands it. It's worse than Greek to us. We hardly even know what we're saying as far as the human ears is concerned. But what difference does it make what the human ears hear? It's what the ears of God hears. And it satisfies that longing heart of God. And it replaces that which was lonely one time with a pleasure. One more time coming from the lips of that which He created God's not lonely anymore. But then sometimes, midst of all our pleasure, midst of all the good times that we have, if we stop long enough in reviewing some of the books it's written, you can hear the lonely voice of God calling for the ones He loves even though he rejoices in the presence of those, we can speak his language. And he loves us and he finds pleasure in us. Outside there is still some of his creation. You hear some of the writings, pleadings of the Apostle Paul. You listen carefully as Peter writes and John. You listen carefully to the writings of Hebrews and Romans. Entwined within all of this. If you listen careful enough, you'll hear a lonely voice calling out to those which he has lavished love upon who have unrepented sins, have broken fellowship and communion with him. And he's crying out, Where are you? Where are you, Adam? Why haven't I heard from you lately? And then to those of us he has redeemed, set free by the blood of the Lamb, 
filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, with a heavenly language we can talk to Him in. There's times when His lonely voice cries out and says, I haven't heard from you for a while. Where are you? I'm lonely. I need to hear from you. Our friend, that ought to draw us someplace, somewhere, to an altar in our home, or stand in our car, and say, God, I'm here. I'm sorry I haven't communed with you. I have no idea you miss me that much, but he does. Here is tune. How can it be? How can it be with millions and millions of people, millions of voices crying out, how can it be that he misses my one little voice. But he does. But he does. Reminds me of the conductor of a great band one time. Had an ear, he knew. Great band started out, trumpets just playing the drums, oh, the violins, whatever else they have in those things. They played for just a little while, and the conductor said, wait, hold a minute, stop. Everybody looks around, and he says, where's the flute? Where's the sound of the flute? And that flute don't make much noise. But to that trained ear of that conductor, he missed that one little noise that should have been in there to make the most perfect music. And that's the way God is. When we stand with millions of individuals raising their voices in hallelujah sounds and speaking in a heavenly language to him, sometimes he holds his arm up and said, Wait a minute. Where's Brother Gerald? I haven't heard from him. Where's Brother Rousey? Where's Brother Hostler? Hold it all. In order to make it perfect, I've got to hear from them. I need to hear the voice. And he's lonely. Something happens inside if you don't hear it. And he comes seeking us. You ever had him to come sometimes in your bedroom and tap you on the shoulder? No, don't go to sleep yet. Please don't go to sleep. I haven't heard from you. I haven't heard your voice. <laughs> you haven't praised me. You haven't thanked me. You haven't communed with you. Please don't go to sleep yet. A lot of times we turn over our imagination, we say. We let the lonely voice of God roam on till finally in desperation and dejection he turns and leaves. He always comes back the next time and says, Where are you? I need to hear from you. God can, and He does love all He pleases. But His divine plan for man will never be complete that we can respond to and give love to God. And I might ask tonight, in view of the hurt that is in God's voice when He comes, I don't know if there's any sinners here tonight or not, but you're hurting God by not responding to his love. He's lonely to hear you say, God, forgive me and help me. He wants to hear from you. The whole program is not complete yet until he does. I think in closing, I wonder if I could ask 
maybe out of us a little bit to forget our pride, to forget our displeasures, to forget our malice and jealousy, to forget our animosities against one another, and repent and take from the heart of God that awful loneliness that's in there by just looking up to Him and saying from the heart, I love you, Jesus. I really do. I'm sorry, God, that I haven't utilized the times that you've given me. I'm sorry of the times that you've come by. Tapped me on the shoulder and said, I'd like to have a few minutes with you, if you don't mind. Our program was planned and our day was planned. Our ideas had to be first. Friend, us don't lie any longer. Don't stand up and say, I love the Lord and God with all my heart, mind, soul, and body, and then put Him second place in your life. Don't do that to Him. Just be truthful enough to say, I love Him as best I can for this shape I'm in. And if we could just do that, He needs to hear that from us. How long has it been since you've actually realized that your lack of prayer made God a lonely God? Your lack of response to Him and love too busy during the day, friend. You get too busy when you can't take time, a few seconds, a few minutes. You're too busy when you can't take time to look up and say, Lord, I love you. I'm not dressed the way I ought to be dressed, I don't suppose, to come in the presence of divinity. And I'm roving myself in the righteousness of Christ. I want to take 30 seconds, God, to tell you I love you as much as I know about you. I love you tonight. Wake up in the morning. Say, God, it's going to be a busy day. I don't want to be caught without responding to your love. I love you, Jesus. I appreciate what you've done for me. I appreciate the establishment of the communion. I was one time broken. You would be surprised. The saints of God filled with the power of the Holy Ghost have never used that heavenly language not one time since they received it. And God is waiting. I could know every language under the sun and not be able